You're listening to Plasticity, making art from inherited waste, where your hosts, Griffin Nordstrom and me, Dominica Queen, talk about our ongoing work with waste plastics as an art medium. We're starting with how we got into plastic. We could start like sort of how we got to talking. Yeah. Okay, so did we meet on Instagram? Yes, our meeting was initially on Instagram because I think it was during, it was either the, it was somewhere between the fall of 2020 and the late fall of 2021 that we started talking and it was through Instagram because I think I sort of found you while I was sort of trying to boost my Instagram uh, account numbers by following every artist I could get in West Virginia who would follow me back. <laughs> yeah. I I remember. Which was low. Well, I mean, that's how you do uh, it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, and then, okay, hang on. I want to know the chronology of this. So how long had you been playing with plastic before that? So my plastic stuff began, technically it was the spring of 2019. We had this project for the sort of, one of the intro fine art classes, it was uh, Foundations 3D. Mm -hmm. And we had this, it, it was, it was the only project in college that I look back at and I like have no positive thoughts which is funny because (laughs) you know it's my it's my entire media now yeah the project was we were going to make it inflatable like a bounce house but basically it was sort of introduced you're using plastic tablecloth you're working in teams and go for it they didn't teach us really that strongly beyond like the very fundamentals which sometimes they i think purposely showed us the wrong way to do it so we'd have to like sort of that is very art school yeah (laughs) yeah it's Let's give Those you were bad art... instructions. <laughs> yeah. Purposeful bad instructions. It's literally, I think it was one of the quote unquote weed out students classes. Oh, God. Which I think it did. I think it did its genuine job. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I'm not saying I didn't have a great team, but my team was like, I didn't have good chemistry with anyone on my team. I think I was the only one who like had any idea how to like, like design stuff like with mathematics and like. Uh, this will be 13, so this needs to be 12 inches and stuff like that. So basically, so basically like the, construction and yeah, 3D measurements. Yeah, I was, I was the 3D artist. I was the one who was doing construction. The art two were like graphic design or uh, photography or something like that. So they didn't really work with that much. Yeah. And so basically I took over as the team leader. So I was writing down with like a Sharpie on all our pieces of plastic, like cut here, cut here. The other guy was doing all the cutting. And then the girl yeah. was ironing, but she struggled with the ironing. So then it ended up being me making all the math, sketching, all that stuff, marking it down, and then ironing. And then several pieces just got screwed up. It was dreadful. It looked like two pathetic columns, honestly. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. But I liked the idea so much. Oh, my God. And so, okay, so this material was given to you like purposefully so somebody said here do something with this yes use plastic tablecloths and an iron yeah we were basically given the plastic tablecloths and use a clothes iron between and put parchment paper on on, between the two 
So I did get that foundation, foundation like that. You can do this and not cause a fire yeah. from college. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's so funny. Well, I was I was also miserable when, when I started playing with plastic, but for different reasons. Um, what is it about a miserable experience? It's like, yeah, let's do more with that. <laughs> um, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a challenge is is generally enticing. Um, so, did you just keep playing with the tablecloths, or? Like, did did that happen, and then you went back to other mediums for a while, or? Yeah, that basically I did that, and let's say that was in March maybe of 2019. Mm-hmm. The next time I really f- screw with plastic was literally like May June of 2020. So it sat there in my back of my head. I was like, I don't like this for a full year before I was like, okay, let's do this again because. That was when I really started doing plastic stuff, and it, I didn't know for sure I was going to do it, but then everything else during that period flopped, mm-hmm. so then I continued with plastic, because in 2020, during COVID and stuff, I applied for this, WVU had this called Sure Summer Undergraduate Research Experience, mm-hmm. which basically this, you got paid to do quote-unquote research, mm-hmm. and students could apply to it, and there are certain, you know, engineering might have like 30 slots, the entire College of Creative Arts, including music and theater and stuff we had one Uh, but i ended up getting it well good i ended up getting it yeah maybe partially because covid because they that covid thing happened i was like oh i need something over the summer so i literally was like emailing like i can do this remotely don't worry Mm -hmm. i'm good at doing art stuff with whatever i can find on hand yeah but i end up i end up wanting to do a quilt that was sort of half plastic half fabric sort of thinking about like single use waste Versus like a quilt that's meant to last generations. Mm-hmm. And I did the plastic tablecloths and I had, that was my first time quote unquote quilting too. So I was literally working with both my aunts who are quilters mm-hmm. and they were literally like showing me how to quilt. And I was like, I want to do it with plastic. And they were like, I don't, that that's not going to work with a sewing machine. <laughs> so it, it, it was very weird. Cause it was, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know to like do layers of the plastic. So it's a single layer of plastic tablecloth. Oh my so. gosh, that's so delicate. Do you still have it? It's, I still have it. It actually got showed in the West Virginia Emerging Artists Exhibition this, like this right now. It's on show. Oh, awesome. And it won third prize. It is mostly in one piece. There's like a chunk where it somehow got torn and there's strain where the plastic got poked or just pulled a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of like, and I was submitting, I was like, it's torn. I know it's torn. It's a part of the piece. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And like, okay, as long as it's intentional. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't like it visually, but I have to respect it and acknowledge it because it's really where stuff started working out. I just think that it's so funny that we both came to, like, similar pathways to messing with plastics through, like, traditional craft. Because, you know, your bouncy castle did not work, but then, but what if quilting? Um. (laughs) Yeah, the bouncy castle, easy, self-defined thing, terrible, hate it. I'm going to try and run this thing through a sewing machine. Oh, that totally worked. Yeah. That's totally the thing I want to do now, I guess. (laughs) So, for me, I'm a person who loves so many things and so many mediums. Uh, (laughs) 
I am a hobby collector. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that I've done, you know, a few times. Um, like sculpture. My education is in graphic design, but I went to a, um, a program that if you were going to major in art, you were going to take several different kinds of art classes and of course i've been oh really yeah so i did drawing painting sculpture printmaking um i think i did like every everything but photography there wasn't it's funny there wasn't a fiber arts program when i was there so there was no fiber arts but now i'm doing all fiber arts stuff Uh, (laughs) because of course because why not um but i was in a department of contemporary art and so we did a lot of of multidisciplinary things um so along with my uh, graphic design, learning how to use, you know, your computer programs for layout and some fundamentals of typography and stuff, we were also doing things like pouring red wine in a plastic bag and scanning it to see what texture that could create and then trying to incorporate Ooh. it into a Photoshop <laughs> thing and making all kinds of weird digital collages, a bunch of weird performance art stuff that didn't work, costumes out of uh, paper bags. It was... It was wild. I felt like I had died and gone to heaven when I was in art school. Everyone, I was really stressed out all the time, but having the best time. Um, so I've done a lot of things. And I think the thing that I would have described myself as when asked quickly about my art before the pandemic is I would have said I was a painter. You know, like really? I do graphic design and I paint. Um, because that was just the thing that was really my main way of expressing myself. So I painted um, right. with acrylic and watercolor, and it was just how I would illustrate things. Sometimes it would come into my graphic design, sometimes not. I grew up drawing a whole lot, always had a sketchbook, that sort of thing. And then the pandemic hit, and I like everyone was in a very weird mental state and then finally was at home and not dealing with the friction of physically going to an office every day and Mm -hmm. I am very introverted and not having to hang out with people all of the time just to get work done was just wonderful but I was suffering so hard at the state of the world because I was like, this is not going to go well. There's <laughs> there's no chance this is going to go well because <laughs> among the many things I love, I also uh, am an enthusiast in biology. So <laughs> I'm just uh, sitting there oops. doing the math and reading stuff coming out of the yeah. CDC. And I'm like, oh, no. So um, even with the best hopes, I was like, this is bad. So I, I kept saying like, well, okay, you know, silver lining, lots of time to be at home. And then I couldn't paint. I tried to draw. I couldn't draw. I tried to, oh. I tried to do so many of like my usual things. And I would just like never before I got a complete block on everything I wanted to do creatively. Uh, and so then finally I was, I was going to look at a lot of art at the time whenever I could, like online and in different shows. And I think it was, it was towards the summer of 2020 when things were 
calming down a little bit after that first round of vaccinations where I went to see a show that Susan Feller had. She's a rug hooking uh, artist in yes. West Virginia. Very wonderful. Um, very talented. Yeah, very talented. Very like friendly as far as mentoring people who are interested. And I had never come across rug hooking before. And so I saw that show and was impressed, but didn't make any connections uh to plastic but then i was i i it was one of those things where i had just had ideas in my mind and i was being really frustrated at the state of the world and like oh the amazon rainforest is on fire wonderful uh, i can't do anything about it uh, and you know of course i at that time it was scary to use your reusable bags at the supermarket because we thought things were being translated not translated, right. but transmitted via touch. So I was like disinfecting right. my groceries and had to use all these plastic bags that I had banned from my life, basically. And so suddenly I had all of these plastic bags and I was just thinking about nothing. And then it kind of hit me. And I was like, "What can, can I do rug hooking with? <laughs> so I grabbed, I didn't have any of the right materials. I grabbed a piece of, of um, canvas from painting and I grabbed a crochet needle, which is sig not that different, but different enough from a rug hooking hook. So I got a crochet not hook. Not ideal. Not ideal. And I got a, an awl because I had one. And so I poked little holes in the, in the backing, which you are not supposed to do. And then I, like, was <laughs> looping the thing through the backing. And, and I, I had already had a little bit of a friendship with Susan Feller. And I did like a quick little test bit and I was like, I think this works. I need to to see if Susan will tell me how this is supposed to work. Yeah. <laughs> and oh thank goodness for her, she like I messaged her on Facebook and she immediately was like, get on Zoom. We'll talk at five. And she gave me like oh. a quick basics like, uh, let me do you need me to send you a hook? I'm like, I guess I don't know where they come from, you know, just complete ignorance. <laughs> and so she sent me like this little goody, like little packet of things. And, Aww, and so I was nice. like, Oh, my God, this is the best and showed me like some basic finishing things. And then I made my first piece. Uh, and it was, it was like just a cute little rug mat. Um, and it was black and white and gray I think I'll have to find a picture of it but mm. yeah and then since then I kept going but what if we use plastic to xyz gflp <laughs> like just everything because I was surrounded in plastic bags and then I slowly started realizing how much fun it was and fiber arts are <laughs> really great for when you're stressed out so it's just like they are they're so wonderful because it's like well I can't do anything right now but i can pull this little loop of plastic up through the backing i could do that yeah. <laughs> and i can watch a tv show or listen to an audiobook at the same time yeah and that's how it's yeah. going to go and then it's just like all of the connections for me that make it interesting spiraled out of control like your connection with quilting um mm -hmm. and other things like maybe we should talk a little bit about that especially on your end because i know that your family has a history of quilting yes they do before we get into that i do want to sort of 
it's interesting to me that you found like the whole COVID early lockdown stuff super super stifling to your art making practice because actually during that March to let's say August period I had a um let's call it irrelevant quickly mm-hmm. but I tried a lot of things during that period because during that period early early COVID like first couple months during like the when they did the Beatles song, when all the celebrities did the Beatles song and everyone hated it, mm-hmm. I yeah. wrote a poetry book and I self-published it on Amazon. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's a ba- it's bad. But it's done. It's Dadaist. It's bad. But I did it. <laughs> I did it. And then I did like, with that summer research thing, I ended up doing like living art, like making a little sculpture out of moss, and I did stuff out of salt though. That was my birth of salt though stuff, which mm-hmm. we won't get into because I don't want to. But because okay. I hate salt though now, but okay, well. I liked it then. <laughs> see, but like I got into a lot of art media stuff then. But that's interesting to see that you were like, I can't even look at it. I can't touch it. Yeah, and I, w- I was like, oh, I'm gonna do everything to get any sort of self value right now. Yeah, I just couldn't. I like I collapsed. I collapsed into a little pudding pile. I was just like, I <laughs> no longer know what to do at all right <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a problem awful. with a lot of people yeah yeah I, yeah no i'm yeah. i'm glad well and it, in one way i think maybe it gave me a lot of time to think because i'm used to just like diving yeah. on things and like getting stuff right. done so i think that all of that brain space uh gave me the room to come to this new come to this new medium mm-hmm. like fully because i dabble a lot right you know but right. it was just like oh uh what does all of this mean nothing <laughs> it's it's all meaningless oh. nothing means anything <laughs> you you know you know like just I, total existential crisis and apparently yeah a nice I, harsh reset yeah harsh reset and apparently i react to existential crisis by sitting doing nothing and cleaning my house that's that's what I do yeah. in existential crisis. Meditation and house cleaning. <laughs> house cleaning is nice. I enjoy it for meditation and resets. <laughs> yeah. But apparently I needed it, so. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be working out. Uh, yeah. But, Weirdly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, textiles and, like, that quilting stuff has a long tradition in my family because basically for my knowledge let's just say because like it goes further back but like i'm no family historian Mm -hmm. so i don't really know all that stuff but for me it's my knowledge of it sort of starts with my great grandma Mm Petey, who she was a quilter in the western end of monongalia county which is a rural area like morgantown is in the eastern central side the Mm -hmm. western end is basically i'm related to basically everyone in the western end let's just say what it is (laughs) (laughs) you're like i can see my cousins from here (laughs) Yes, very. Every house is basically owned by a family member or someone we have had family connections with. So basically a family member. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that area is very rural. It's like that very Appalachian self-sufficiency thing. Yeah. Because she was quilting. She was like can't, like getting, she was selling milk. She They had a business basically where people from like Morgantown whatever, would drive into their area and be like, I want some milk. And they just sort of sold it. She just managed that. Mm-hmm. She made goose feather pillows. So she was fighting the geese. <laughs> you know, cooking, taking care of five to seven kids. She yeah. was just doing all Straight of that up on a daily basis. Straight up foam setting. <laughs> Absolutely. But that was sort of the homesteading too many kids thing is sort of end up being a 
issue for us because my grandmother was her oldest daughter mm-hmm. and basically she they just couldn't afford to take care of seven kids yeah so the oldest two got sent to pd's parents mm-hmm. so my grandmother did not grow up with a quilter with those traditions so my wow. grandmother and my mom functionally do not sew. like they can do like the repairs and stuff but they don't quilt really at all like my mom was the oldest grandchild so she would you know hang out with pd while pd was you know doing the daycare stuff and she'd quilt on pd's quilts and stuff you know just a little hand quilting stuff mm-hmm. whether or not pd didn't just you know untear those all out after my mom left is <laughs> another point but we're not getting into that <laughs> but i mean it there was no craft knowledge that it just died basically it just didn't transition whatsoever the only thing that happened was my mom being the oldest and that sort of oldest privilege, I don't know. She ended up end getting most of PD's quilts because PD was making quilts less, like maybe a couple of years. They had a whole quilt circle and stuff, like mm-hmm. tons and tons of quilts being produced. I'd say there's somewhere between uh, 15 to 30 in my oh, family that's home. So many. Yes, yeah, some of them here were. Pro- hasn't put together a quilt for themselves. I have yes. not managed yet. It's just that's so much work. It's a lot of time, especially whenever you're doing the fancy quilts. Because like a uh, a simple like nine patch or something where you're just doing a bunch of squares, that only takes so much time. But like we these are like eight pointed giant stars all made out of parallelograms and like quilting so much. There's like not an inch that goes by without some level of quilting going through it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that insane level of quilting and. That's... Some of them were given to my mom. Mm-hmm. Some of them my mom took from other places. Yeah. From... Well, that's a lot of inspiration like... to inherit, right? Yeah, it's a lot of inspiration. But if you think about it, I didn't grow up in a quilting household. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of inspiration that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. It was like, I can draw a bunch of triangles, but I don't know how to apply that beyond that. So it was like sort of like this unused well of inspiration almost. Now that I actually can quilt and stuff, now I go and look at that stuff, it's like, oh, I get how to do this. Or, like, I'm trying, like, trying to figure out how to make that happen yeah. through the sewing. But, like, only until I actually started working on a sewing machine and working with quilting did I ever actually start doing it. Because Petey did... dived in her, I was like, she, she what? Uh, when did you start quilting? I quilted that plastic one, that half plastic one in 2020. Mm-hmm. That was basically my first quilt. I mean, PD, <gasps> I may have, I, there's photos of me, like, quote-unquote quilting on one of her quilts where I was, like, younger than eight. Mm-hmm. Again, most likely getting torn out after I left, but, <laughs> I mean, she died when I was eight or so. I didn't interact that much with her, mm-hmm. so really it was 2020 that I even started, and I only got my sewing machine in December of 2021, so were for literal sewing with actual fabric i only began sewing with fabric quilting wise in this past may may 2022 that's crazy to me like well and i (laughs) i think that it's crazy because i also feel like i've gotten i've gone way down the rabbit hole with all of the different plastic fiber art possibilities but yeah, it really has only been since about then. I think, like, you, I didn't know how to quilt either. Although, um, on my end, 
so I come from an immigrant family. Um, we're uh, Catalan, so we're Spanish uh, from Barcelona. And mm-hmm. I'm three-fourths Catalan. And so one of my grandparents is from West by God, and that's where I ended up. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and so uh i grew up i spent a lot of time out in shoals west virginia with that family and my grandmother from spain who really really learned a lot of fine sewing techniques when she was growing up because it was part of um i mm, i don't know what it's called but it was like a duty that you did as part of your citizenship being in Spain. Like everybody had to do or learn something that was beneficial to the group. So like some people would do military stuff. Some people would learn. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Um, It was quite a long time ago. Yeah. It sounds interesting. You know, like some people could do military service or you could so yeah like my that's an interesting combo i have options i have this beautiful little sampler that she made as her final exam for this thing and it was like lots of different ways to repair uh add lace trim doing different seams and it's just like this one piece of i think it's cotton it's some nice cotton and she's done like a bunch of different things to it and it just looks like a really good I mean, it's a really good technical example. It looks like a final exam right. <laughs> in cloth. <laughs> so she knew a lot of that stuff, and she uh, considered herself not a very good sewist. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> she would – she uh, yet she made, like, every grandkid a quilt. She made, um, <laughs> you know, all kinds of things. Right. She made every one of my Halloween costumes until I was in, like, middle school oh, or something like that. Yeah. So she was always very practical sewist, not very artful, though. And mm-hmm. when I, I spent a lot of my time with her growing up because both of my parents worked, so I would hang out with her during the summers and weekends. And she was very adamant that I learned how to do all the housewifey things, you know? Uh, um, because mm-hmm. if you can't fix your britches, that's a problem. And also, there was like a lot of aesthetic <laughs> going on because of all of that influence from the uh the modernism that was happening in spain and like the if you've ever seen pictures of like architecture in barcelona and any of gaudi's work like that existed so that's where she was from so she brought a lot of that aesthetic and so i grew up like looking at these like swirly art nouveau types of patterns all of this detail all of her napkins had detailing like that it was a very arts and crafts house my grandfather built the house uh oh nice yeah so it was just really it was a really aesthetic place to grow up i didn't realize it at the time uh now i look back at it and i'm like this is amazing And so she made sure I knew how to do all kinds of things that I later kind of, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I was just like, all of this flouncy stuff is a little bit pointless and I don't know what I'm going to do about it. And Mm -hmm. I was, you know, 
being kind of grumpy about it, especially when I was a teenager, because I had to make things for my hope chest and like, you know, it was interesting, but it was boring as all get out. And I wasn't making anything that I found to be particularly meaningful back then. But of course now I've, there's been a whole (laughs) emotional journey been a whole unpacking of the hope chest (laughs) like (laughs) it's just been a whole thing and it's really interesting and I'm really thankful that I my hands were trained at an early age so like I can I can crochet just fine I can't count but I can make the motions (laughs) (laughs) I can do it you know so I ended up I ended up being able to weave and do rug hooking was super easy for me and you know the idea of quilting is not foreign to me although I had never ever even made one quilt square not once (laughs) until I started quilting with plastic so yeah my first quilt was also plastic (laughs) I yeah just I, I enjoy the idea so much that both of us to some extent with our mediums are coming at it with a background in the traditional media. Yeah. But our first interactions are the plastic media. Yeah. And then we're sort of catching up with the traditional. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is how you sew a curve. I didn't know because I just sort of cheat my way using plastic. Yikes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there was this estate sale going on that I now understand <laughs> because I can I can crochet a little bit now. Um, and, and I can weave a little bit now. And... There was a fiber artist who was having an estate sale and I had to stop myself from like going and buying like, you know, pounds and boxes and boxes and boxes of yarn (laughs) because I'm like, well, I understand what to do with this now. That's precious. Um, It is exciting. Yeah, but I I did not. I restrained myself because I do want to keep (laughs) messing with the plastic because it's, I don't know, it feels like um, handmade things for me, are so, um, uh, because of, because of how the objects that are in our lives most of the time are so far removed by the time they get to us, hand making anything feels like the most crazy extravagance. Um, it does. Yeah. Like even just making your own bread, some days is just like oh my goodness what a wealth of time i have to let a loaf of bread rise for 90 minutes or whatever (laughs) and you know it's just it's like putting labor like that into something especially if you're not getting paid to do it immediately right is just the most uh luxurious (laughs) (laughs) thing I can do with my time and now like combining that with the most uh with some of the like least care cared for most wasteful objects in our lives just the irony just it just tickles me yeah (laughs) right it's a lot of fun it yeah I definitely get what you're saying yeah it's fun it it's good it's good stuff I um so yeah, I don't know. I I know that you've been you've gone you started with the technique of fusing it and quilting it and making quilt squares and yes. different yeah, I... outfits and things. Do you want to talk a little bit more about like how like the different types of techniques that you've been playing with? 
So you even did like yeah, printmaking, totally. didn't you? Yeah, I've done a lot of weird things and a lot of dumb and bad idea things with plastic. But I've definitely like sort of had the game because I definitely So I did a quilt in twenty twenty summer, May ish, let's say. Mm-hmm. It was a weirdly long amount of time before I went back to making a quilt, the thing that actually was exciting and to some extent proved itself because I sort of did that and I sort of waited a few months to like January, February 2021 winter thing. And I was really focusing on making sellables, making little products. So I was making mm-hmm. little throw pillows and stuffing them with like scrap plastic where you have like those wrappers and stuff that you can't use yeah. for pl- iron fusing plastic fusing mm-hmm. i just shove them full of that so i was making throw pillows and like flat pieces like an 8 by 10 or an 18 by 24 those like things that can show you can just shove in like a cheap poster frame or whatever yeah yeah and i was really hoping to like sell them and i was screen printing on plastic i found that one out pretty early that one is to some extent feasible not on garments i tried it on a garment it did not work hmm. fun fact so i did that and then in the fall semester, I start, I want to, I really was like, I'm going to do plastics. This is going to be my thing. So I really was, I was taking a lot of sculpture classes. I wasn't, that was my major. And I wasn't actually finding my quote unquote medium because I didn't like metal. Wood just didn't, wood just didn't work with my, like how I work. Mm-hmm. It was just too slow, too dangerous. I couldn't do it. If I can't do it wearing a blanket over my shoulders, Oh, it's not gonna last that long. is such a big deal for me too because i have yes. toyed with making things out of plastic for a long time but if i need like a workshop grade workspace to do something mm-hmm. it's probably not yeah. getting done <laughs> i don't like it i don't like having to get dressed and be like have this like sort of like if i wear a blanket over my shoulders and i go near a sander that's gonna end badly yeah well i could either remove the blanket or the sander and i'm gonna choose the sander actually thank you very much (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh gosh and i mean like i would daydream about because i like too many things i will read about anything forever and i would like daydream about like well what if i got the parts together to make one of those precious plastics chippers and then a melter and an extruder Mm. and then i'm just like i do not want to set this up I don't I don't want to actually like the time that it would require is not how I want to spend the time, you know, like I don't I I don't want closed toed shoes and goggles Mm -hmm. and work gloves. Oh, my gosh. Work gloves irritate the bejesus out of me in a way that I've never been able to completely come to terms with. Um, Like I need to use my hands. I need to feel things. Mm -hmm, So it just doesn't work. But. So much of so much of the traditional craft that you and I have like gravitated towards is very, you know, blanket friendly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes the blanket will come off if I get too hot, but then if I get cold, I'm just going to put that thing on again. Like <laughs> I will do it whatever I'm feeling comfortable with. Sometimes I'll wear shoes, sometimes I won't. Sometimes it's just I just like that fluidity to it. Mm-hmm. But I just like so in the fall i was like i don't like the things that are happening so i was like i'm gonna do plastics i'm gonna really lean into it and i was focusing on like that whole 70s 60s everything's made out of plastic yeah uh, very colorful stuff so i made and also just very unsafe like everyone was like the kids in the getting locked in the fridges and then kids dying because of that because that was a terrible fridge design and sort of that sort of uh (laughs) 
You're going to have to Barbies. show me which fridge, but yes. <laughs> oh, I there used to be one in my house. They had to, they were throwing it out and they literally had to bust it up, like destroy it just in the very limited case that a kid crawled into it because they lock from you can't open them from the inside. Oh my god. There's whole safety rules about that now. So plastic yeah. safety hazards from the 60s and 70s. Exactly. Like that whole like it's Barbie's dream house but also there are 70 th- things in your bathroom that can and will kill you <laughs> and you just don't know about it. So I did a plastic nursery like for a baby. So I did a baby quilt, a diaper, the like the mobile and a little like plushies little kit baby plushies mm-hmm. all out plastic tablecloth uh, and it was like this garishly loud y- bright yellow bright green party tablecloths yeah it was and i was just that was my it was sort of like an installation thing and by the end of it i was just so i was drained by it and i was confused by it because then i had like this i had a i welded this giant baby crib thing and then i just had to deal with that existing now <laughs> and all those little pieces and i'm like i don't like dealing with this so i was like you know what let's just randomly try and do a quilt again mm-hmm. so i did this l-shaped quilt that's now been in a couple of shows and it was and i actually used plastic bags mm-hmm. like that was where i was i had been using plastic bags some to make those like sellable products the pillows and stuff i was using the plastic bags for that but i had never like made a whole thing an actual big piece out of the plastic bags mm-hmm. and that l-shaped quilt was amazing it was so exciting i had so much fun with it and it was so much faster yeah than the baby nursery thing and then it didn't take up much space because you know that's one of the beauties about fabric plastic things coming from a sculpture perfect perspective where it's like here's my 10 pound thing i have to lug in my giant truck and Mm -hmm. it's completely useless and i pray to god i get it into a show or something so i don't have to deal with it for a few months Mm -hmm. plastic i rolled up i put in a box i shoved in my bed it doesn't matter yeah i love that i can just like literally some things i will literally wad up (laughs) Just put it in the bag. Or sometimes I roll it if it has some detail on it that I don't want it to get mushy because I don't want to straighten it back out. Just, like, chonk the things into a box and go, (laughs) it's going to be fine. No, we don't need packing peanuts. (laughs) (laughs) It's so nice to deal with that. So I started doing that. Then I started getting to the garments, making more plastic quilts because that was sort of that fall of 2021 october to march that was like my weird plastic renaissance thing as i'd like to describe it because i was wall hanging quilts ceiling hanging quilts floor pieces garments i was doing intaglio printmaking screen printing i organized a print exchange with a couple of our people's out of you in the printmaking program and i was doing all this stuff all the same time i produced like 30-ish pieces in that five month period because i was vibing hard with it i was just constantly working on i enjoyed it i i know when you first reached out to me on instagram and i like pulled open i was like who on earth is this um because (laughs) i don't have a ton of followers i was like okay what is this and then i like looked through your stuff and i was immediately like oh okay yes instant friend yeah sure i don't care what's up with you that looks that's good that's that's interesting (laughs) someone i can talk to about this good there's exactly one person i can talk to about this to start with excellent (laughs) and now here we are um yeah okay so we have gone all over the place um is there anything that you feel like is really important to the start 
of the plastic journey that you've been on that we didn't get to touch on or any final thoughts about how did we get here? I feel like I've gone through my, like all the like big little points in my story to where the plastic stuff is now. Outside the fact that I had my plastic fantastic solo show in April, which was exciting and big. Oh yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask, how did that go as far as like attendance and stuff? Were people digging it? Because one of the things that I know that I've come across is that people don't know what to do with it. Like they don't know. Like. Yeah. You show them there something and they're like, ah, uh, what? Or, yeah, there was a lot of that. Or you've done, like, a certain kind of thing that it doesn't look like it's made out of plastic, and then it's like, oh, wow, that's plastic. It almost looks like the real thing. And I'm like, but I don't <laughs> – but I want I want it to look like I plastic. I want it to look like plastic. I want a slight <laughs> undercurrent of disturbance here. Just a little bit. Just enough. Um, but how did – did you get a lot of that at that show? That show had its uh, – difficulties and confusions let's just say i rented the space out a few months prior with the understanding it would be my space solo mm -hmm. and there ended up being two other people who oh. were using that space in the same window and i was not informed until i was literally getting there and i found out i had somewhere between a half to a third of the space i thought i was working with in the middle of two other people oh. so that didn't help just on a logistical organization way like it fit my stuff fine but then i was sort of left uh difficult like there was an obvious place to like stand so people knew it was my art because mm -hmm. we had a there was a morgantown art sale day the next day and people were literally bringing it up to the businesses counter trying to check out because they just assumed the guy just awkwardly standing around was uh -huh. not affiliated <laughs> but i had some good conversations but there was a lot of sort of confusion about the plastic nature part of that i'm pretty sure was due to the fact that i was at that point it was getting close to 50 50 tablecloth and like actual plastic bags so it doesn't help it at all that like one of the pieces was mostly like this beautiful light blue plastic that didn't look like a plastic bag at all and it really mm -hmm. didn't feel that way and it sort of was distracting from the plastic bag concept but yeah it was good though good conversations yeah, I always feel like I have I have some real interesting conversations every time. Even though it starts to get a little bit frustrating, the sort of blank stare of what did you make? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I I want to say like this was kind of a crazy thing for me to try because being a graphic designer is a lot different from being a fine artist in one very important way. When you're a graphic designer, right. you know where you're going, and then you work backwards from mm -hmm. that. And then the fine art is opposite. You just go, and then um. you work backwards from where you got to to explain it. And graphic design is the opposite process <laughs> because you're trying to serve a purpose. And that just threw me so hard right. all of the time. But with this, I clearly needed to go somewhere. And I almost stopped uh, doing it. I, I almost stopped. Um, like, it was like, oh, this was a pandemic thing. You know how people let their, their sourdough starters die. 
you know, like I thought, oh, right. this is a pandemic thing. Maybe I should quit it. Um, I almost right. stopped, but then I thought, no, I think this is some really good, deep, interesting stuff and has a lot of potential that I think that I want to continue to play with. It's at least entertaining for me. And so I actually reached out to uh, a couple people um, other than just Susan, who Susan was on board because she is just on board for things. <laughs> She's really encouraging. <laughs> but um, it was really, really hard for me to like actually reach out for critique because I have been out of art school a lot longer than you. And right. I, <laughs> I finally was like, oh, I have some arty art and I need to talk to arty artists, not designers or salespeople <laughs> about this. And so I reached out to right. Emily Prentice and I reached out to Robbie Moore. And Robbie Moore um, is the executive director of the Beckley Arts Center. And I just showed him my mm. work and I was like, is this anything? <laughs> like it was such an awkward little zoom conversation i was just like i don't know i just need somebody who has a fine arts context to tell me if this is anything <laughs> um but that was really great and it was so good because both of those people were like oh yeah that's something that's a good weird and i'm like okay we'll <laughs> stick with it and then um robbie had this really incredible show I will have to look up the name of it and maybe we can include it with some of the episode descriptions, but he curated a show. Oh, I remember it was called social studies and it had so much good, interesting work in it about all of the unrest that was happening at the time, all of the climate crisis that uh, continues right. to happen. And so he invited me to include a couple of pieces, and that was just such a big deal to me. And I was like, okay, we are in the conversation. I'm having fun. And I, this is such a versatile material that I'm just going to play with this for the foreseeable future. Uh, and so <laughs> between him inviting me to participate in that and uh, Emily, who I respect a great deal, seeing it as something that was layered enough to be interesting i was like okay that is mm -hmm. enough validation for me i'm gonna keep playing and i'm gonna uh actually show people my work and so since then i have just been trying really hard to put myself out there whenever i can and so yeah that's how that's how i i got here and here we are and i'm i'm so Woo! excited to keep talking about plastic with you and others because yes it's so accessible like there's just so much it's to talk so, about yeah there's so many ways to go with it at uh, just a very introductory layer. You could go any sort of direction so far I've seen and there's room yeah. to go. Yeah. Well, do we want to close with how our plastic stockpiles are going? Oh, yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me of this because one of the most vital aspects of this craft is that you can't actually buy most of your materials. No. <laughs> so Unless you, have you want to, to cheat and buy tablecloths. No, boo, no. I have cheated in the past and I just have it now and I am morally well, fine now because now I bought it for myself in the past. <laughs> yeah, now it's there. Well, and to be fair, I have made one purchase 
I but it was a thrifted purchase. Uh, oh, that's so fun. I feel like that's it's gray. Totally area. legal. Yeah, it's totally legal. So I found a bag of shiny gold tinsel that Ooh. I embroider with now at a thrift shop, oh, and I was like, "All right, right, this is allowed, surely." That's totally. Uh, that's totally allowed. <laughs> so my my stock of plastic bags is pretty good. Uh, I have, I have enough. I don't have enough of every color, but I do have at least one of, you know, Roy G. Biv. But the thing right. that I'm deeply in need of is green because I'm working on uh, a slightly <laughs> crazy crocheted tree project and I'm making like yards and yards and yards of green willow crocheted willow branches. <laughs> so if anybody has any green plastic bags, uh, please find me on social media. DM me. I have a P.O. box to receive donations of green plastic bags. And it doesn't even matter what color green it is. Just the green is green. in demand. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? How is your stock going? I know you've made a couple of really cool things lately. Some costume I've been doing type some, stuff. Yep, some costumes, some big pieces. So I am at a very weird point in my plastic supply. I have plenty of the colors, you know, the red, the blue, the yellow, plenty of those <laughs> I am depleted, depleted right now on brown and white of all things. I it didn't think that was a possible. weird place to be. I didn't either. I had no idea you could run out of white, and then I did a little bit. So oh, I'm oh technically gosh. low on that. But also, I think if I send out like a major call to give me brown and white plastic bags, I'm pretty sure I'll end up be, being sleeping on brown and white plastic bags because <laughs> I'll just get so many. So <laughs> soft need, soft need, please. <laughs> Oh, don't you, like, also, sort of a blanket statement. If you find a plastic bag that has something extra strange printed on it. Yes. That is I, an absolute must. Yeah, I have a little, I just got one this week that has corn on it. Oh, fuck. Corn. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> and it's, it's clear. So it's clear. Ooh, I'll clear send you one. a picture later because it's from a local <laughs> farm. So there's a good chance I'll find it again. Yes. So but it's clear and it has corn on it. That's exciting. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, what a beautiful quilt pattern or quilt panel. Anyways. Mm -hmm. But but yes, um, does that conclude our plastic bag stock report? Yes, that is all. (laughs) All right, Griffin. Well, thanks as always for talking about all of this nerdy plastic stuff with me. Of course, it's always fun to talk plastic. Yes. <laughs>